0: going on, everybody? Welcome to Recover Out Loud, episode number 49, brought to you by the Antisocial Network. Uh, before we get into my guest, that was an awesome intro video, brand new. You're the first one that a Days debuts on, so super cool. Um, my buddy, Embalm at the Embalm Effect, made it. And I'm like really happy. He, I, I told him what I wanted. I sent him the song, and he was like, I got you. When I got it, I was just like, "Giddy!" Like, oh, yes. Yes, I'm terrible at editing, so that was like super awesome, especially with the flame at the beginning. But anyways, we're not here for me. We're here for Mitch. How you doing, Mitch? I'm doing good. doing really good. Nice, nice. And uh, and so I, I met Mitch uh, through one of the podcasting pages, one of the few podcasting pages I'm a part of. And uh, he reached out and said, you know, see, I uh, was trying to see if he'd be a good fit. And you know what? You're a great fit. You fit in right perfectly here, man
1: so mitch uh, would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself yeah my name is mitch harley i uh i live in calgary alberta canada and uh kind of i guess the entrepreneur lifestyle you work through it which has a lot of struggles so it's uh, a mixture of coming in and out of corporate world doing my own thing and uh where i've kind of landed now is um, i do podcast coaching and uh, and training and so we've opened up classes for that. I've been in the podcast world for a number, a few years now. And uh, so that's kind of where, where I'm at now. And I'm on this new, new journey. And along that way, I've found um, how much I needed personal development and how important that's been. And that has opened up uh, so much in my life. And that's what really led me um, into your show and what kind of where I felt there might be a really good fit there and, and some value brought to your audience.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, and I'm grateful to have you on the show today. To be honest, uh, you know it's not very very often that I get people from outside the United States or or even in Canada. So for your your participation, man, I want to say thank you.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely.
0: So uh, I, I've driven through Canada. I've driven through Alberta. It's a very beautiful country or a very beautiful uh, province. But what is it like now in this time of year in April?
1: um so it's here's kind of neat so i was born northern alberta um not to say that that was like igloo territory but it's definitely colder snow like it's the the winters are harsh right they're um definitely cold it was up by the edmonton area and then uh, after i graduated i moved out to british columbia so once again northern bc and uh same thing kind of long lots of snow winters but yet the summers could be extremely hot um like where you're inside, you're like I'm not going outside. It's way too hot, and that's not just from it being a baby because you know we're not used to that. It's like no, this is this is like New Mexico weather, like just crazy, crazy swings in temperature. So that's kind of the northern belt uh, that you'll you get that you end up with. And then when I moved here, Calgary's got a really unique weather system because uh, we get these chinooks. So we can drop down to i mean up here we're celsius we can drop down to that -20 minus -30 minus celsius for a period of time but in a week or week and a half it can all of a sudden be plus 10 so i mean we've got these massive so right now uh you know we're coming coming into spring um and in the same city so so my girls they live with their mom in the north end of the city and i'm in the south they they came over to my house this morning and they're like dad you have no snow <laughs> Where's your snow? And I'm, I'm outside in a t-shirt when went shopping this morning. I'm outside in a t-shirt and there's trucks driving around with snow on the hoods. And I'm going like, where did they come from? Because like, it's nice out right now. And it's a um, completely different so it's life. Yeah. So these Chinooks come in and, and it's this belt that uh, just warms everything up. I mean, it's, I've been on, um, when I was in the trades, I've been on roofs in December and it's just pool. I'm trying to keep the water away because it's melting so fast because we can have a 15 to 20 degree shift. So the weather is really wild here. It can go up and down. And I mean, Canada's huge, right? I mean, the weather patterns. So, you you know, kind of across the states, too. You got from L.A. to New York, you can have some wild variations there. Yeah. And that's kind of our Vancouver to Toronto. You can have a, a vortex going on, a polar vortex out in Ontario and Toronto. And yet you can have. You know, Vancouver just shining like crazy or, or raining like nuts. So it's pretty wild. But Alberta as a whole is, uh, I mean, it's gorgeous. Al- Alberta is one of the few places um, that has every kind of landscape you can imagine. We've got the Rockies, you know, on the west side of the, the whole border. We've got world-renowned, you know, de- um, like Banff National Park. That's about an hour away from me. And it goes all the way as it stretches across. We've got the hills. We've got Drumheller, which is world-famous for dinosaurs. You know, excavation, and uh, some deserts in there, and then out to the you know prairies, and so it's a really neat place to be. A lot of movies are shot here. The last big one that was shot that everyone still talks about, The Last of Us, that was all that was all filmed right here. Oh wow! Uh, within a couple miles, they they shut downtown down. I remember all the cars on the overpass that were all muddied up. Uh, and, and driving by the, the film set so it's it's cool to to be a part of that and to live in an area that uh is really unique around the world that is pretty awesome
0: i, I drove i drove through uh alberta to get to alaska i used to live in alaska yep. and i alberta is the first place that i've ever, ex- ever experienced like negative fahrenheit weather and it,
1: it... <laughs> it can be cold it's dry though so that's yeah. the difference here right like it's a when it gets down to minus so the coldest that I've experienced here growing up and, you know, uh, being an adult here was about minus 43. Mm. That that was pretty wild. Like it's, that's the temperature. You go throw a cup of water outside and it freezes. Yep. Like it's, you don't spend time outside when, no. when it's that cold. Um, like BC very rarely does it get that cold in the Northern parts, but it's cause it's close to the coast. Right. So yeah. it's a damp cold. So, you know, cold in Vancouver, like minus three, four in Vancouver is a different feel because of this, the humidity level. Yeah. But yeah. So when you, when you drive through and it's like, this is the first time it's been really stinking cold. That's a, uh, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a wake up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would t- I, to be honest, man, I would say that it was a lot colder driving through Canada than I have ever experienced in Alaska.
1: Yeah. Like, no joke. But Alaska's damp cold, right? Alaska's yeah. very, very coastal so when you're on the inland uh it's it just it really really gets you uh yeah you you can't warm up no
0: no absolutely not everything everything freezes it like you said it's one of those colds you step outside and you're like i'm good you go back inside yeah
1: Yeah. you can't touch the door handle you you know it's it's that cold yeah but yeah, yeah two two summers ago two summers ago it was so hot Um, I was working with a landscaping company and we had a guy full time on a hose Mm -hmm. cooling off the guys Wow! because you you couldn't work for more than 15 minutes and we only worked a half day. So like I said, like that's, that's the temperature swing you can get here. So to, to climatize, it's not like it's cold all the time or it's hot all the time. Like our closets are full because we need clothing for everything. So that's, that's how I grew up. Was, yeah. was in a climate like that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I I to say like the whole the whole country of Canada is just absolutely beautiful. Driving through, you know, you got your small little towns and your bigger cities, but like in the prairies, it's absolutely beautiful. You can see for miles and miles. Uh, I when I was when I was over in the west uh, going through the Yukon, that's
1: absolutely stunning. Never seen a buffalo in
0: my life until then.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah pretty, No, it's it's pretty wild, especially when you get a little bit north. Like for you to go to Alaska, did you go? Did you go through northern BC, or did you go all the way up through Alberta mm-hmm. and then over? Or did uh, you through of, Alberta, yeah. So there's because there's also um, so if you're coming up the coast to go up to Alaska, a lot of people take that and they end up going through like Dee's Lake and then up they hit like Skagway mm-hmm. and, and up. Whereas here you'll go up and you'll hit a little bit north of Skagway, but um, there's there's some places where like buddies of mine, they'll go like, they get a draw and they'll go for a Buffalo in like Northern BC. Mm -hmm. And that's, they come back with Buffalo on their truck. Like that's a pretty wild experience to get those, those animals. Like you can see them on TV, even moose, like, especially in the Northern, like your Alaska moose, your Yukon, Northern BC, like you can say, Oh, that's a big animal until you've put one on your trailer until you've got a rack on your trailer and a buffalo until you actually try to pick one up like yeah. that is some of the biggest animals that you will ever be able to match Especially in north america for sure it's probably yeah. one of the biggest animals in north america
0: oh definitely definitely like you know living in alaska where i lived they did not mess with the wildlife they just pretty much said let the wildlife do what they're gonna do and i walked outside one morning for work and there's a mama moose and a baby moose just or calf right outside of my door
1: just sitting there yeah. like well i can't go to work i've, I've been trapped i've been yeah. trapped in from a bear yeah outside of my door um i've been trapped you know what it it's which is funny because this makes me sound like i'm like living off in this you know little hut village in the middle of nowhere and like that stereotypical canadian i was living in in a city yeah. like this is inside of a city it's just that there's this green belt that all the, the wildlife come down and when you when you pan out, when you this is what's amazing about Google earth. You pan out in Canada, you go to a big city. So like Northern BC, I lived in a city that was about a hundred thousand people. If you pan out outside of that hundred thousand people, like it's, it's wilderness.
0: Yeah.
1: And so when you think, if you took the trees away, what would animals would be left? I mean, you've got lynx, mountain lion, you've got wolves, coyotes, fox, and then you get into like your deer, moose, it, it's it's a pretty wild thing and to think that we're in their world they're not in ours and so yeah i've been trapped in i've had a a, a moose and her calf and i'm like i can't even get to my car because she's gonna kill me yeah like they're just so protective i've had bears corner me i, I was walking home one day and the two black bears came out and i was like i called for help because i'm like I, I can't outrun these things no if they're scared i'm i'm hooped so it's yeah. i've had quite a bit of of that I haven't had the, some of the really scary experiences, like, you know, I've, I've come across grizzlies, but um, like polar bears, like that's kind of another, that's a little bit North more of like towards, you know, Northern Manitoba and, and the Northwest territories. But uh, like, yeah, that's, that's kind of another, you can't talk your way out of a polar bear. No you, can, no, you can talk your way out of pretty much anything else, but yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you get close to a polar bear. You,
0: you might as well have a, a last will and testament. Yeah, yeah that is,
1: as, I think as far as land predators, they are, they are the, not just the biggest, but they are the like most dangerous next yeah. to like, once you're in Africa, you've got like hippos, I think are number one in the world, but polar bears are, are right up there. It's, it's a pretty wild. And so to think that, you know, like I say, Canada's huge. Like I think to go to one, one end coast to coast, it actually consistent driving, I think is five and a half days Ooh. nonstop. Because it spans out quite a bit more than the American mm-hmm. border. Yeah. Um, so for like to go to Vancouver to Toronto is mm-hmm. about a four I think it's forty two hours driving. Mm-hmm.
0: And then Toronto's only
1: halfway. Because yeah. you can go all the way out to Newfoundland the Maritimes, right? Yeah. So it's it's a pretty vast, so you get lots of different climates, lots of different like you get all the landscapes, all the climates, all the wildlife, all the types of people. Yeah. It's uh it's a pretty neat place to be a part of.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll say when I was when I was driving through, uh, the Canadians definitely did not meet the stereotype of what you hear. You know that all Canadians are just mean to Americans, but every Canadian I've I've came come or that I you know encountered was just the most amazing human being alive. Yeah, they were more than and amazing. a lot of
1: that. So it's neat because we do have this, um, you know, on the world stage, Canadians have kind of this. Uh, everybody's friend stereotype and part of that is because we don't have a huge population right like as a country we're 33 million people so 33 million compared to 300 million in the states like so that joke that everyone knows each other it's not that out a lot like it's (laughs) not because unless you're in any of the four major cities like even in the city that i was in uh previously that so we had about 90 90,000 people, 100,000 surrounding. Um, I called it the biggest little city I've ever seen because it was one of those places where it was based off a union mill. It was based off the, the railroad. So long-term families that have been there over generations and literally everyone knew each other. I could go to the mall and I knew the same people that went to the mall. Whereas if you went to another place, like in the States that had 100,000 people known one would know each other, yeah, It's just it's a very different culture. And there's so many small towns in Canada across the nation.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just you grow up knowing everybody. And so unless you're in a city of a million plus people, you know, it's just it's more likely to, to know someone across Canada than it is probably anywhere else in the world just because of the low population. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we had hit a little bit about this before Uh
0: you're from you, you live in the same town that Brett Hart, famous yeah.
1: hitman. Uh how like is he is he like a national treasure of in so, Canada? Loc- Canadian, yes, like in the wrestling world, definitely. Um locally, more so. And part of that is not just because of celebrity status. Like celebrity status, um a lot of people come from Canada, a lot a lot of celebrity status, like even in Calgary, like Calgary, we call it like the So Alberta is what we call the, the Texas of Canada, right? Um, And Calgary is the heart of that in that sense of um, like the Calgary stampede is world famous. And that is country music, rodeo, party, like that, that's the the life. And so the country music that comes out of Western Canada, um, I mean, it's, it's massive. So you know, celebrity status isn't there's lots of different celebrities that come out of Canada. But the interesting thing about um, the hearts is the community involvement. And that's where it's not just about, oh, it's a neat thing that he's a part of it. No, he, he is so involved and the family has been so involved in the community in doing things. And like I mentioned before, they've opened up a new place, uh, like a new nightclub bar. And it's just everything they do is for the community. And that's kind of been a legacy. And so back when when his dad was running Stampede Wrestling,
0: yeah.
1: that was that was a that was a big thing because it involved the community. People would come. It was entertainment. And and then when they got bought out by, um, well, at that time the WWF, you know, it it just changed things. And it was like everyone had pride because they were like, this is cool because it started here. And so it was that sentiment. And you know now that it's even getting bought, <laughs> that's even being bought out on a multi-billion-dollar level. It's it's pretty amazing to see where it escalated and to think that that started as in somebody's basement here. Yeah. And he's not like he is not a guy and there's there's so many stories ripping around, but he is not a guy that when he drives downtown, if you were to see him, mm-hmm. you know, he'd be looking down like you wouldn't you would unless you knew who he was. Yeah, you wouldn't know.
0: Yeah,
1: he loves people. He loves helping. He loves You know, he's, he's, some of the stories I've heard, like the radio announcers here were telling a story. They were at an event, ended up back at his place. He drove everybody home because he was the only sober one. He's just that, that figure. Right. And, and so, yeah, you know, you you get the stage, you get those personas because of entertainment world, but he is a super nice guy. He's done a lot for the community. And there's people here that fully appreciate, fully appreciate that of him. He's not one of those guys where it's don't meet your heroes. He, uh, he he lives up to it.
0: That's awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah, tribute to I, him. I, I've heard I've heard amazing things about about the whole family, and you know, not to mention you know the late Owen Hart. Yeah, um, I, I've heard nothing but amazing stories about about them. So uh, I'm
1: happy to hear that it lives up to the legend. It, it definitely does. Definitely does.
0: That's that's awesome. All right, so Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Calgary, Alberta. That's not why we're here. We are here to hear Mitch's story. All right, Mitch. So what was it like when, when you were in your struggle? Man?
1: So it's been interesting because struggle, when you say you're in your struggle, you know, everyone, everyone has a different story. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, we hear so many stories of people that are like, I was homeless, I was addicted to drugs. Or I was, you know, an alcoholic and I lost my family or, you know, kind of pretty, pretty major things. And I used to think it's like, well, you know, I was never I was never on drugs. I never had an addiction problem. So I must have never struggled. And that's just not true. That's just not true. People people struggle with different things. We all have an addiction. And that's something we have to understand about ourselves. We all have an addiction. And when that addiction is not physically harmful, we call it a hobby. Yeah. Um, but it does the same thing. We we are looking for something to escape. We are looking for something to help recharge. And we're looking for something that brings us dopamine. For me, you know, it's people. That's That's been my addiction. And it hasn't been until recently that I've actually been able to control that but and when i say my addiction was people like there's there was a time where if i was by myself and i wasn't talking to somebody on the phone like i'd shake yeah that's that's an addiction yeah um and that that stemmed from i to be honest a a huge bullying problem and so always looking for external validation needing to be around people to validate myself and that and so i'm i'm 34 and it's just you know, in the past little while that I've actually come to that realization. So you think that you're dealing with all of that, you're going through life, you know, married, have kids, and you're struggling with this in the background. And you don't even know why you're struggling with it. It's if, if you're shooting up every day, you know what your problem is, how you address it, what you want to do with it, that's up to you. But you know, yeah. when you're dug when you're dealing with anxiety and stress, you don't, you don't know okay. because you don't necessarily recognize it. It's not something you can go to the doctor for. It's not something you can go get a, into a program for. Yeah. Um, and so that's a struggle. And I see that that is a huge thing right now. I mean, we see this big push for men's mental health. but I think it's so much more than that because it's not just about mental health. That's like saying, it's like saying there's a, there's an obesity problem. So we have all these diets. They do nothing. Diets do nothing. They sit on a shelf and that, and that's good does it fix the problem yeah. and the problem is is us as as emotional human beings and as people that it is important to understand and apply personal development personal development i so lately i've been really harping on certain people and there's these there's these girls that are like oh i'm going to stay single i'm working on myself I'm like, no, Tiffany, you're just getting drunk on a Friday. That's not that's not working on yourself. That's being by yourself with your friends and doing whatever the heck you want. That is not working on yourself. You are able to work on yourself with a partner. You're able to work on yourself alone. It's how you're doing it that's important. So for me, I had I had to take that to heart, um, you know, going through a divorce and kind of re figuring out, like, how do I not end up in the situation again financially? totally done. Um, businesses went under, like, you want to talk about starting over, like losing my car, like I name it, I've been through it. Um, and so after, (sighs) here's a story, it's pretty recent. It's pretty fresh and I, it's, it's still a little bit hard to get through, but, um, so going, going through separation and figuring out what am I going to do? And, um, still at a point where it's like, I don't know how to be alone. I don't know how to be single um and so you start to you start seeing a few people yeah. and uh i realized that that was a looking back a terrible thing uh to do because i was not in the place to do that uh mentally but i had this this need to be with people to be with somebody and that was um I kept, I just, I get heartbroken over like nothing. And I couldn't figure out why. It's like, oh, this didn't work out with this person. And and it just it 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 broke me. And so a little while later, um, I connected with somebody that was like, why don't why don't you come to one of these classes? Just just come to a class, work with me. Nothing comes of it, fine. But I'm putting it on and I could use the support as a friend. And I'm like, yeah, totally. I'm all about supporting people. And I had this emotional breakdown in this, in this program to the point where like, I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was suffocating. And so at at the end, she pulled me aside and she's like, what, what did you come to? Like, what, what was your emotional breakthrough, your emotional release? And I was like, that I'm allowed to be happy. Like that statement on its own is so powerful because what i realized was i wasn't allowing myself to be happy i didn't think that i deserved to be happy for a num- for a number of reasons but when you cannot create your own happiness you're looking for happiness and so what i started doing was saying hey that person they they make me happy and so i would latch onto them and so now all of a sudden it's like, well, that guy love bombs, or that guy's super, you know, attached. And all of a sudden these red flags start getting attached to you. And when really all you're doing is searching for happiness. And so then it was like, if that person left my life, my happiness was gone. My happiness just left. A person didn't leave my life, my happiness left. And when I broke through that and said, No, I am my happiness. My I deserve to be happy on my own and create my own happiness. If someone comes into my life. They add to my happiness. They're a part of my happiness, but they are not the source of it. And so when I started realizing that people can come and go and that I can create happiness alone, man, like what what a life-changing thing that was for me to discover. And that created this whole new concept where somebody could come in the room. It didn't affect where I was. It didn't affect my emotions. I could still feel sadness if someone hurt or disappointed me. I could still feel that, but I wasn't devastated. Yeah. Credit card company called, say, hey, you're behind on a payment. Okay, I'll deal with it. I'll make I'll figure out a plan. Wasn't devastated. It didn't affect me because I was happy. Yeah. I'm happy. And so that was a, a that was a huge thing for me. And so I was like, this new version of me that I'm ripping around the city now in being like, I'm so happy. This is amazing. And uh so she called me and she was I have another class, you want to do another one? And I'm like, sure, but I'm good, like I'm super happy, right? Like I'm I'm cured, I'm fixed. And she's like, Well, we'll see what happens. (laughs) that's a foreshadowing, yeah, exactly. So I go to the next one, and it's same thing, like just full meltdown. I actually threw my back out that's how much of a, just an emotional, you know, release came. And this one was huge because this one goes back to a really sensitive subject of bullying. So when I was in school, I was a, I was what I call the runt. We always joked that they created blue participation badges for me because like I couldn't do nothing, man. Like I couldn't even come in last if I tried. (laughs) And so, so physically I just was not, that athletic guy. Um, Even schooling, like passing for me was a, was a win. Um, I had a few couple good years, grade seven, eight, but, and I wasn't cool. Girls didn't like me. Like I just, I wasn't that guy. Yeah. Um, So that, that's kind of the, the little Mitch version, right? Nice kid. Loved his parents. Loved, loved a lot of people. Had a, had friends, but didn't have respect. I think that was that was what could sum it up. And um, there's two days in school that really stood out to me. And these were the two days that came out through that session. And there was four guys. They were all hockey players. This was about grade five. And they took turns on me in front of the class and the whole class was sitting there watching. And they were just pounding on me. Um, And I just kept getting up. I, I couldn't do anything about it. And Anyway, they, they left, and the and then all of a sudden all the sport came out. It's like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Or, you know, their girlfriends came over, and it's like, I'm really sorry about that. And I'm sitting here going, like, why are you sorry? He's your boyfriend. Either leave him or tell him to change. Like, I to me, it was a very logical situation. I'm like, you're still with him. Like, he's you're, you're still the prom queen, and you're not doing anything about it. So it left this really bitter taste in my mouth. Um, But I always told myself, no matter how much stronger somebody is than me, I'm never going to not get up. And uh, throughout high school, it was the same thing. You know, there was times where, yeah, it's like someone's like, oh, I'm going to beat you up. I'm like, well, you can. You physically can. You're stronger than me. You know how to fight. That's fine. I'm not scared of you. And that was just my mentality going through school. So through this session, I could see this this little Mitch. And I said to myself, if if he could see who I am now, what I've accomplished, what I've pushed through, who I've become how, what the definition of late bloomer is, um, what would you, what would he think? And I just remember just breaking down. Cause I'm like, he would look at me and be like, there's no way I grew up to be that guy. There's no way that guy's way too cool. He's way too cool. And, and there's just no, there's no path that I could ever become him because he's cooler. He grew up cooler than everyone else that I'm trying to, to validate with in my class. And that just broke my heart because all i wanted to do was tell him that i'm proud of him and and so when those two things met that changed everything for me because i was like it's so easy to come down on yourself and say that you don't deserve you're not good enough you don't deserve to be happy you know you're not you you're not financially successful um you have a failed relationship you know all these things are starting over your business is struggling but who, who am I competing against yourself? Who, who, and do they even know? And it was explained to me in business, but you can apply this into your life. If you're competing with someone, I'm saying, Hey, I'm going to compete with Sean. I'm going to be better than Sean. I'm going to just crush that guy. Does Sean even know that I'm competing with them? <laughs> yeah, Are we absolutely. playing by the same rules? Yeah. Do we have a finish line in basketball? There's a defined set of rules in football. Everyone knows that at the end of the clock, whoever has the highest score wins. They know that if you take your ball to the end zone, you get a point. Here are the rules. Here are the boundaries. And here's the winning. In life, we don't have that. At what point do I win? At what point have I beat you? Do you Are you even competing with the same rules? So the only people that we are competing with are ourselves. And for what? Why? If I'm sitting here beating myself up, picking bad relationships because I'm not good enough, because I can't find happiness. And and the me growing up goes like, what are you doing? Like you are phenomenal. I'm so proud that that's my future. And so that was kind of this this epiphany that I came up with. And now looking back, it's like the only person I have to make proud is me. And I haven't been fulfilling that. Yeah. And and to think back, like how much bullying had an impact on that and how that can, how I allowed bullying to continue on in my life, um, even in the workplace, what I put up with, like I look back, I'm like, I will never, never put up with that again in my life because I'm aware now of what that was in the moment. I had no idea. So that you want to talk about a journey of struggle in a nutshell, that's kind of what what. Was a big thing for me and where i've come now and saying like no for one i'm very vocal on bullying and and the variations that we are seeing on a national scale right now bullying and i'm very vocal about bullying in the workplace and i'm very vocal about bullying in school because i see now that that was a huge part of creating limiting beliefs for myself that have held me back from what i view as huge potential Like I've got things in the work now that are pretty phenomenal and I wouldn't have went through with them if I held on to those limiting beliefs because now I'm actually in a position to help other people. Whereas I wasn't before. No, you know,
0: I, I, I was the same as you, man. I I always, always look for, for happiness, right? I always, always like, I just have to be happy or that question of like, why can I not be happy? And, and <clears throat> I found for me that that it wasn't the happiness that I was looking for. It was peace, right? Because I had for so long lived in this lived in this chaotic state where everything was just pure chaos. If I walked in t- into a relationship, it wasn't me walking in. It was me breaking through the door. And something chaotic had to happen in order for me to be there and to do that. And so I had to find peace in, in my life. And and once I found peace, that, that happiness came, right? Just an absolute wash of of, of peace come, came over. And then, you know, the happiness followed. Um, I was bullied too, man. I mean, look at me. I look like Gimli from Lord of the Rings, bro. Like... Let's be real. And what you went through and, and that level of bullying, man, that's uh, terrible. Absolutely terrible. I'm sorry that you went through that.
1: You know, it's it's one of those things where I look back and because I'm in the mental state that I am now, I can appreciate how it allowed me to build. Yeah. But, you know, I don't have the belief that you have to go through that in order to learn from it. No. You just have to believe in somebody that did. Yeah. Um, so, I don't believe that anyone in school should have to endure bullying. Like I just, and there's a difference between some light teasing and razzing and just getting someone some thick skin and and, and going through the physical abuse that I went through. On top of that, not to mention that you know the the mental as well. And it's yeah, it it you don't even know how much you're affecting somebody when you're going at them. And I think the more that the research and and the discoveries going into just how much it affects us how much trauma we hold into in our life those little things they add up and they you know you got people now uh, we don't even hear about half the amount of stuff that goes on but you want to talk about like school shootings I think it's a it's a really classic example of like here's someone that was pushed to their breaking point we're not going to talk about guns we're not going to talk about safety protocols we're going to talk to somebody we're going to talk about somebody was pushed to their breaking point what was that because that did not happen a month prior. They got pushed that breaking point well before that. And when you, when you watch the news after somebody does something like that, whether it's a school shooting or just, just something, you know, really traumatic, there's the running joke where it's like, what's, what's the reporter say after? And it's like, Oh, we had no idea. he was such a nice person. He paid his rent on time. He, you know, did this, or he, he had this, paying your rent on time, make you a good person. Does paying your rent on time give signals that this is a responsible person? Like, why is that a metric that's being used to measure somebody's mental state and mental happiness, like paying rent on time? That just means they got a job. Yeah, that's it, because paying rent on time doesn't make you good or bad. There's good people that are late on rent.
0: Yeah, Yeah, there's that's a conversation nobody really wants to have.
1: You know, the conversation of the mental status of that person, you know, when you ask someone, are you are you doing okay? How you doing? That's that's a that's a one-word answer. I'm doing good. You can easily deflect out of that. When we ask questions to each other, it is so important our language. And look at the look at the men's suicide rate in North America. It is becoming the number one loss of life. That's that's phenomenal. Like fentanyl's yeah. coming up there too. Yeah, but and, and overdoses. But so when you talk to somebody, and you, it's it becomes an easy way for us not to have to actually deal with somebody else. Hey man, how you doing? Good to see you. Doing okay? Doing good? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. How about hey? What do you need? Yeah. Yeah. Not can I do anything for you? Because that's a yes or no. Someone like ah no, I'm good. What can I do? Yeah. And when they when they stop for a second because they're gonna say nothing. Oh oh nothing. But you can tell by their hesitation that they have a whole shopping list of things that they actually do need in their life and not saying that you can fulfill all of them, but you'll know you'll know by their response that, hey, there is something they need. And if you actually give a crap about somebody, you're going to find out which ones you can help with. And I'm not talking about money. And that's that's something that just we've never been. We're not taught. That's not anyone's fault. We're not taught in school. We're not taught growing up or very rarely how to actually care about somebody else, how to be aware of, you know, mental triggers to know that guys have triggers the same way girls have triggers, going to a relationship, try being in your thirties and looking at a relationship. Guess what? You're not dating people that have never been in a relationship. And so you're usually talking and interacting with people that have been through relationships, good and bad. and. They all have some sort of trigger. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't mean they're crazy. We love to label people. Yeah. Love to label people. And we label, especially in the dating world, labeling people as crazy. Um, I so that's one of the terms that I refuse to use because crazy is let's let's take the medical definition out of that. But when you say that somebody's crazy, oh that person, they're they're nuts. No, that person makes you uncomfortable. And then it's easy to label it as crazy, and then it justifies your discomfort. But if you look at it, say, okay, what's going on here? And usually it can be tracked down to um, a love language that is not being fulfilled. And so when you take uh, a girl, for example, that say her love language is... uh, words of affirmation. Yeah. If she was in a relationship where the guy didn't talk, guess what? Mm-hmm. She's not feeling validated. And when you're not validated as, as a person, uh, through how you receive validation, you act out and you search for it. And this is where, you know, get into the cheating conversation. That's, that's where cheating cheating is literally searching for validation that you're not receiving where you are. It's not about sex. Yeah. And so when you... <laughs> In a relationship that validates her properly and if you don't recognize that that's how she needs validation and you're trying to give her validation in a different way she's going to act weird she's going to act out she's not going to act how she is in her natural state and guess what that makes you uncomfortable and then you say what Ugh, she's crazy yeah why why are we labeling her as crazy and guys the same way guys receive that guys human beings need validation in a certain form And we're just so emotionally unintelligent and aware of those things that until you do the time and until you take in, how do people receive validation? You will never have a healthy interaction with somebody in a relationship or friendship or any connection at all. You will never have a healthy relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I see see a lot of people basing
0: their relationship or their perception of their relationship off of societal norms because we've Forgotten what it's like to actually be with that person, right? Because we're so we're so stuck, we're so stuck in this mindset of, Mm -hmm. you know, versus hey, I have to have a face to face encounter with you. Like we got to talk some shit out, or we got to hold hands, or we I have to meet your love language. We've forgotten what where where that connection is, and that's that's super hard. You talked about um, you know, about um. Getting in, I, I feel like I'm listening to myself when you when you yeah. talk to because like I'm 35, going through a divorce, dating like I got out of my last or out of my marriage, and I said I I don't want to trust another woman, <laughs> I don't want to love another woman, and and you know it that that's really hard, you know, and and I had to get to a place where I was okay before I could step into that realm of, of dating, you know? Um, but yeah, I literally sit, I'm like sitting here and I'm like, man, this guy's telling my story. (laughs) It's insane. It's insane. So you're in a position now to help people. What do you do?
1: Um, so it started, I started experimenting with, with a curriculum, uh, about two year and a half ago, two years ago now. And, uh, It was I created a a curriculum of self-awareness and I first taught it at a a women's retreat. And I I played around with it. It was a bit of a guinea pig, but it was just about creating awareness of yourself so that you could have healthy interactions with people, whether that was uh, your, you know, your other half or whether that was in the workplace or whether that was just, you know, in, in regular society and creating these healthy interactions has to start with you because you need to pick up on how you're perceived as a person and what you do and how you're perceived. And it's not about changing for other people. It's not about adapting, but it's about accommodating to have the goal, sorry, of healthy interactions. And so I started with that. And then I had already been in the podcasting for a while. We've been experimenting and, and I'd start, I started learning just how healthy podcasting can be. Um, so me and my partner decided Uh, Let's let's turn this into a business. You know, it might not work right away, but let's let's do this full time at some point. So how do we work towards that? So we started building this roadmap, started experimenting a bit. We both had different curriculums. We're both really deep into personal development um, and learning what that was. So we started connecting with the right people, having guests on the show. Um, And then what happened was every time I talked to somebody about what we were doing, the same conversation came up about podcasting. And so I went back to my partner and I'm like, look, there's this commonality in people that we're talking with. They all are interested in podcasting. So why don't we develop a course? And so that kind of developed and, you know, drug on and everything like that. And then I went through my crisis and then, oh, and in the meantime, I'm going to add this in there. So in September, I fell and I broke both my ankles. Um, And then so that laid me up for a bit. And then i totaled my car in november and it blew you know some other stuff out um so i've been like physically recovering quite a bit i'm just i'm off of a cane now and i'm uh just in rehab yeah. so i'm kind of up and down i played hockey for the first time last week <laughs> and uh so all of this is going on and i'm like no i want to figure this out what do we do and so what we did is we built a class for because it's not that we just don't have the one podcast, you know, we produce and other stuff. And I said, let's build a class for people that want a podcast that don't have a budget. They don't have this big, you know, capital behind them. They don't have sponsorships. How do we introduce podcasting and and give them the tools to overcome the majority of hurdles that podcasters run into? So that's how it started. And so we got that up and running. And then I started doing outreach. Started talking to different people, and when you do that, you meet people. And when you meet people, opportunities open up. Yeah. So then, what happened is I I was introduced to a, a beautiful person. She's um, in in Denver, and uh, she has a program specific to help people coming out of addiction to become addiction coaches. So she doesn't just help people out of recovery. She sets them up because if you come out of prison or you come off of an addiction, um, employment is probably one of the hardest things you have against you, right? You can get assisted living. You can get some, some handouts, not that that's what you're looking for, but, but you can get that help. Getting a job uh, with a record is almost impossible. Yep. Um, And a job with any future in it. Like I'm not talking about like handing coffees over a counter. I mean, like, something that'll pay the bills, a career, a, a career. It's let's just call it impossible for the sake of it, unless you do something for yourself. So how do you do something for yourself? And so that's what she came up with. She had this program. and she has been doing very well at it. So I connected with her because she goes, you know, I've never been introduced to the podcast world, but I've always liked it. Same conversation as everybody else. And, um, so I showed her the program and she goes, what if we set it up a way where, cause she goes, people recover in different ways. Some people, they need that boot camp. Some people need, you know, holistic healing. They need some spiritual. Um, so what we decided to do is we augmented the course a little bit. And podcasting, we said, you know, why don't we take that as, as kind of a therapeutic thing? It's a hobby. And it forces you to do work. It forces you to stay on track. It, there's so many things that come with podcasting. people don't realize this isn't about becoming Joe Rogan this is about hey I got to show up on time because I got a guest hey I got to go find a guest hey I got to make sure my equipment's running hey I got to make sure all the editing's done I got to make I got to do all these things that come with having and owning a podcast and I know you relate to this so there's this all this work that comes into it and what it does is it keeps you busy if you're correct me if I'm wrong but if you're in a, have a major addiction if you're an alcoholic or you're you know shooting up you are not focused on this you can't run a show you don't have the attention to run a show so having a podcast isn't about viewership having a podcast isn't about famous it's about keeping you in line building that clarity and in order to have a conversation like this you need to have clarity in order to have a show, you have to have parameters and say, hey, these are the parameters of my show. So when I bring someone on, do they fit those parameters? How do we keep that conversation going? And it's a training ground. Yeah. So the best thing you can do for yourself trying to stay on track is see if you can have a show that lasts more than four episodes.
0: Yeah.
1: If you can do that, hey, now all of a sudden this helps you stay on track as you're building everything else up. And it gives you credibility because you're putting on a message. So we said, hey, let's take that. And let's add that into the program. That's and so awesome. that's what we do. And we haven't we haven't launched our first one yet um, We're still in a there's so much stuff to, to implement into this but uh, yeah so we're we're in that direction. It's not the only thing that we're doing but that's the direction of let's get people in, into podcasting and it's not about a celebrity status. It's about getting people to understand. Hey, you have to have these traits, and if you want to develop them, a podcast is the way to do that. You have a business, hey, we have, there's a marketing, you know, side to podcasting as well. It's just so diverse. Um, you want to work on your public speaking? Hey, if you sound crappy on a podcast, guess what? You're going to sound crappy everywhere else. Get a podcast going. Yeah, you have all these goals. A podcast is a vehicle for so many different things, and it's such a beautiful thing. And so that's what that's what we're doing is we're. We're training people on how to do the podcast. It's not just about, Hey, we'll do your editing for you. It's like, no, we're going to show what, what's your goal. Now we're going to, we're going to build you a a podcast or we're going to augment the one you have to get you to that goal. And we can connect you with the right people.
0: Absolutely. And you, you, you hit the nail on the head. There's so much, and I didn't even realize it until just till you said it. Um, that this plays into my into my recovery. You know, I've been sober for three years. Um, yep. I was a peer support specialist in Alaska. I help you know, vets out and stuff. But this plays so much into my recovery because I have to show up, I have to be there, I have to be available, I have to schedule guests, I have to make sure that the guests are, are you know, that I check, check in with them to make sure that they're good and that they're still gonna be on, on the show or how to reschedule. It, I didn't, I went, when I got into recovery, I didn't even have a calendar set up. I have a whole calendar now where it goes straight to my phone and I'm like every day, boom, boom, boom. Every Sunday morning I look at it and I'm like, all right, what I got this week, boom, 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 you know? And so that, and I have to have a coherent conversation. If I can't have a coherent conversation, then there's something wrong. And to be honest, I didn't think I was going to last five episodes and here we are, here we are, you know, episode number 49 is wild.
1: It's, it's a big deal. And so here, here's some stats to kind of, you know, really um, not just pat yourself on the back, but to, to show that I'm not just talking through smoke here. So the majority, and when I say majority, I'm not just like 51%. I mean like a majority of people that start podcasts do not make it past 180 days or six months or 20 episodes. Those are the, those are the things. Um, out of that, The far majority, once again, we're not talking 50%, the far majority do not make it it past four episodes, which is one month. That tells you something. That doesn't tell you that people are like, eh, it wasn't my thing. It's not about not being your thing. It's because it's something that you have to stick with. It's something you have to see through. You have to show up. And I would say, so from from my experience, from what I've seen and who I've interacted with, there's a couple of reasons why people do not break those barriers. So the fact that you've broken both those barriers is is puts you in a category. Yes, there's millions of podcasts out there, but it puts you in a category of podcasts in you're in the minority by sticking through it and, and showing up and having a, a show that people can come to, whether that's one person or whether that's a thousand people. It doesn't matter. That That says a lot about where you're at. So you should be you can be really proud of that. But some of the other reasons is. People don't understand what podcasting is. They they have a perception. And this is a, a message I've said multiple times on different shows. I've brought it up on business summits. You are not on TV. This is not a TV program. This is not Tucker Carlson. You know, this, this is your show. And podcasting originally did not have video. It, it, was, it was an online Basically, call it a radio show that you could take with you that you could download is is the the true organic start of podcasting. Then it became, hey, I can go on YouTube, but if you have a YouTube channel, but you are only video that is not a podcast, that's a YouTube show, just fine. So podcasting means you're on usually multiple platforms, so it takes a lot of work, um, but people get so focused on the visuals. And whether that's social media based or whatever that reasoning is, but I've had people be like, no, this isn't what I want to do. I don't like this where I'm like, okay, if I close my eyes, your content's not there yet. Your, your audio quality, your voice quality, it's not there yet. It's coming, but it's not there yet. Who cares about whether you have a neon sign behind you? Who cares about your camera angle? Sorry, but it's just not, it's not relevant yet because you haven't, you haven't got the fundamentals of podcasting yet. You should be able to have an audio file that you listen to on Spotify in your car and it's engaging and nice to listen to for everyone in the car. Top topic excited. Let's say it's a topic that everyone, you know, really enjoys. If you don't have that, you don't have a podcast. If you do, then you can say, okay, how do I beef up my studio a little bit? How do I upgrade my camera? Maybe I should do that. You know, now I can start doing some clips and stuff. But but this, this doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Being in your living room, you know, as long as there's something that doesn't distract, but from an audio perspective, that's what's important. And look at Howard Stern. Howard Stern for years, like you could watch, you could go on and like they had the camera of him, but it was, it was a satellite radio show. Satellite radio to me was like, in my when I started into it, I'm like, it's basically podcasting. Like, I don't know why they have a podcast. They have a show. It's yeah. just that I can download the podcast. It's, pre, you know, pre-recorded. Whereas their shows was, was live like the bonfire on comedy central. It was a scheduled show. So that was the difference, but they had a podcast and now you're seeing TV networks, especially in sports saying like, Hey, check out our podcast. Why, why are networks, why are TV networks promoting podcasts? Because it's what people engage with and people want to listen. They want to take it with them. So stop thinking that this is about celebrity status. Even Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan's got a beautiful studio. Like it's so much more than what you see on there, but it's pretty simple as far as camera. Like there's a curtain behind his guest and behind him, there's like a TV or a sign or, and sometimes they do a few things, but it's a desk. Yeah. It's clean. It's cut. It's, it's not a big production. Mm-hmm. You look at other big podcasts, the one that they had Trump on the full Sound boys. Mm-hmm. It was like a, just like an empty room with a couch and some mic stands. Yeah. Because that wasn't the important part. This isn't entertain. Even the entertainment ones are not about entertainment. Yeah. It is about vocalizing. It's about showing up. It's about when you run a podcast, like unless you have a production company, it's on you. Yeah. You're wearing all the hats. So this is not. Hey, I'm I'm Matthew McConaughey showing up. I'm going to talk into the mic, give you some value, and I'm walking out. Yeah. This is no. if I've invited someone on the show that doesn't know how to communicate or is not a conversationalist, guess whose job it is to still put on a good show? It's yours. Yep. Are you equipped to do that? Do you have the resources to be a good interviewer? Joe Rogan is not a great podcaster. He's an amazing interviewer. That guy can interview people and ask the right questions to keep people engaged. That is his like superpower. And that's what's kept that show going. Steve-O, it's another one. Yeah. His podcast, he interviews people that people want to talk to, but he asks them real questions. He doesn't have scripted questions like the Kardashians. Yeah. And that's the beauty of podcasting. And so this these are all things that play into why podcasting can be, can be a huge thing in recovery in someone's life. I'm not saying it's the way to recover, but I think it's a very untapped thing when it comes to people trying to overcome any sort of addiction, any sort of trauma, and, and just looking for some sort of structure in their life. This is a pretty simple setup. You got a mic, ring light, some extra features, a mouse, a computer. You get pretty much what we have anyway because we've been living on Zoom for the past five years. And, you know, just apply it to keeping yourself into a a regular program. I I think it's beautiful. And now look at the amount of information that's floating around out there. Some of it's crap. But for the most part, like, and the cool thing about podcasting, especially if your message is on point, you bring in a high value guest. When you load something on the internet, we always, we, we, yeah, we always look. We're always like, oh, I've only got 100 views. Oh, I only got 50 views. Yeah, now I've I've come across stuff that's five years old. Yeah. It doesn't go away. This isn't print media. Yeah. Like, you can't throw it out. You can scroll by it, but you can't throw it out. Yeah. So. I think podcasting is absolutely beautiful. I think it's a very underutilized tool, but I also think it's a very misunderstood tool yeah as well
0: yeah i I completely agree you know uh, recovery taught me uh, when I got into recovery recovery taught me how to live my life uh, and stuff like that but podcasting taught me how to give a voice for other people mm-hmm. to to tell their story and that's that's why I, d- I started this I wanted. To give a platform for people to share their story, to share their experience, because uh, I know I love to share my experience. I know I love to share my story. I can talk for hours about myself, but this isn't about me. This is I'm I'm the conduit for other people to get their story out there and, and to share their experience to inspire somebody else to you know to to help them out when when they're going um, when they're in a, a bad place. And I've had friends that. You know, have messaged me and they're like, You're an inspiration. I'm like, no, please don't put that on me. Put that on
1: put that on my guests because they're the ones that are doing the work. But what's amazing about this too, and this and this is the same thing, that that tool that or that skill that podcasting teaches you because you're having conversations, right? For the most yeah. part, podcasting are more interesting when there's more than one person. Let's just put yeah. that out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> but what it does is so you can pick any topic. For example, you want to say, hey, I want to, uh, I've had people come to me and I want to start a podcast about this. And I'm like, that's cool. You can start a podcast with whatever topic you want. But here's the things you have to think about. Here's where you're building clarity. And I think this is why I keep going back to clarity. I think anything you do in your life, you need to understand just what level of clarity you need to be successful. Um, and whether that's in a relationship, job, career, podcast, whatever. Right. Um, So let's, let's say the topic is ice cream. I want to have a show all about ice cream. Cool. How long could you solely talk about ice cream? And maybe, maybe ice cream is your life. Maybe you could talk for hundreds of hours about ice cream. You probably could. Can you talk about it and keep someone's attention? Yeah. Can you talk? You can talk to yourself. You could lecture. Podcasting is not lecturing. So, could you actually communicate with somebody on that topic for hundreds of hours? Well, I I don't know. So unless you're clear on that, you're not going to have a show. You're not going to have a show that lasts more than four episodes because you're also going to realize it's like, you may think you know a topic, but try talking for it for four hours. Do not deviate. Only talk about it for four hours. You will know very soon that you do not know a lot. It's very, it's a struggle for you and communicating that. So you may, you know, whereas like a topic like hockey, for example, I mean, you can talk about sports, you know, well, but if you bring on, why do sports analysts bring on guests for multiple reasons? One, it gives you more content. You don't have to ramble. You get better perspective. You get high value for an audience, but you also, you get someone bringing in information that you didn't have before. And that's, that's what I think is beautiful about guests. I think it's the best. You know, thing you can do for a show is to have a guest based. I mean, Joe Rogan, that's all it is. It's it's a show based on high value guests. That's all all that is. So when you have your topic like you're right, you know your topic well, you know your story, you know your messaging. But could you talk for 49 episodes about your story? No, there's there's no way. It just doesn't make any sense not Mm -hmm. to have a sustainable. It's not a sustainable model. So you can still share your message in as a host in increments along the way open up new little nuggets that add to the conversation that's what a a good good host does and so that's what we teach we say hey like you're somebody that does not communicate well maybe you're somebody that doesn't like people but you like podcasting. you want to start you want to do all these things okay we coach you not only like my my part of the the class i don't teach the technical i don't really like it i don't care um but I teach you like here's how you interview, here's how you sound clear, here's how you clean up your voice a little bit, here's how you communicate, here's how you guest act, here's how you get guest acquisition, here's all the things that kind of give you the the spark and the charisma so that you can have a nice sounding program. The other stuff, the editing, the intro, super cool if you have it. Yeah. But people will. I talked to somebody who used to be in the film industry, and they said if the if the audio is off, people will leave. But if the video is out by a bit, they'll stick around if the audio is still good. Yeah. If there's a glitch or a pause, like you're watching Netflix, something pauses, but you can still hear it. You're not resetting. You're just seeing if it if it gets better. But if the audio glitches out, you're out. <laughs> you're not wrong. So take those take those principles. If you have a show or you're starting a show, those are important things that we teach.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Uh, I can't.
0: I can't. Believe that, you know, I'm here. Uh, you know, all the statistics that you that you that you gave, because I, I for the most part, I mean, I know people, you know, kind of fall off sometimes and they get back up and they continue on and sometimes they don't. Um, but I know a lot of successful podcasters that have been doing it four and five years. And I thought that that's what everybody did. You do it four and five years and you keep going. But uh, the statistic is it says a lot different. So I'm actually. I'm actually really happy that I'm still here and doing it. And there's there's been times during this this whole run, I'm going on a year now, where I've been like, man, I don't want to do this anymore, right? And I'm like, man, this is really tedious. This is way beyond my capability. But the thing
1: is, is I, I'm doing it. I've done it. And I have. Have to you got doing it? Have you gotten any flack for doing it? Have you ever had any negative responses for doing it? No, no, not at all. But
0: it was me beating myself up, right? Like me saying like, oh, I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not getting the numbers. But the thing is, is I started this because despite the numbers, I don't care about the numbers. I care about the message. And that's that's where I had to get back to is I'm seeing 160 subscribers on YouTube. And that's cool. Uh, You know, so many on Spotify and Apple. That's cool.
1: But the message is what
0: matters to me. If the message is being delivered, that's what happens.
1: Put put this in perspective. Let's let's forget all the subscribers on anything other than YouTube. Let's look at them for just a second. 160 people. 160 people would not fit in both of the rooms that we are recording in right now. Yeah. So if you were at a house party and feel like you're the G, you're the guy that everyone's coming to, and there were so many people that they couldn't fit in your house, how would that make you feel? I mean pretty awesome. Why why do we not feel that when they all subscribe to our channel? Yeah. But yet we're because we are so inundated with a million followers is how you prove that you make it. No, it's not. A million followers means jack. And you know why? Cuz TikTok has taught me this. I've got thousands of followers on TikTok. And you know how many of them I know? Not like very many. 50. If I like really scratch people that actually communicate me, people that I've become friends with, like we're, we're talking like less than 50, like maybe 15. Yeah. And yet some of my videos have hit 700,000. So what? How has that benefited other than I had a video that cracked the algorithm once? Right. There's there's no value. But people that subscribe, whether you got five subscribers or 100 subscribers, that, that mantra that's like, if I can only affect one person's life, it's a win. That's a tough one in reality. When you have one person in the sub- subscription that you've affected, is that going to keep you motivated to keep going? <laughs> yes, it should. Yeah. But it's a tough one to accept because we are so focused and a lot of that. So we're going to reverse that. Where's that come from? It's because monetization doesn't come without numbers. From the platforms themselves. That's it. We're not talking about anything else. Just the platforms don't monetize. But podcasting, there's so many other ways to monetize that people don't know about. And when you are open to those, then it's like, oh, okay, subscribers don't matter. I can monetize this way.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's that's where, you know, that when I said originally, like people that, that fall away or people that don't, it's because it's like, ugh. It's a hobby that wasn't paying. Well, so is restoring an old muscle car, but people still dump <laughs> thousands of dollars into that. Yeah. What? Like you want to talk about hobbies are, are are sinking ships financially. This is a hobby that could, if done right, and you had the right support, could actually you know have some ROI on it. Um, if if at least break even, like which is still a, a win. Um, but you pro there's there's definite ways to make an income off of off of podcasting like we prove like me and Devin have proven we now have a class teaching people okay well we didn't know that starting it that that evolved so there there's all kinds of things that we show people of how to monetize and I think that that's if you think that the only way to monetize is either get a big big sponsor or to start clipping out and get a viral video on on YouTube like you you misunderstand everything yeah and you're Absolutely. just getting caught up in the minutia.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: All right, Devin before or Mitch, I,
0: you said, you said Devin, I'm thinking Devin. <laughs> Mitch. All right, Mitch, before we go, man, where can we find you at?
1: So we're all over the map. So our, our show, our umbrella is called the perspective podcast. Um, we're, we're making some moves and teams, but uh, we got our website, perspectivepodcast.ca. Uh, you can find us on, any of the social media platforms, YouTube, Spotify as well. Uh, We have an email, email the perspective at gmail.com. So yeah, definitely check us out. Uh, I think we could bring some huge value and the teams that we're uh, teaming up with that'll come out soon um, for anybody in that world that wants to get into the the coaching world or public speaking world. We're in those groups and uh, anyone that's looking at starting a podcast or maybe they're just feeling like they're going to give up before that, you know, mile marker, um, and they want to give one last kick at the can. It's definitely an opportunity for them to overcome those hurdles. So those will, uh, those will be up on our website, uh, in the next little while here. So definitely keep an eye out for that.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Mitch, thank you for hanging out with me, man. Thank you for sharing your story and your perspective and, and all the, all the information on podcasting. Uh, I really do appreciate you for your time. I appreciate you having me on too. Sweet, sweet. All right, guys, till next time. And I will see you again next time. Be good. Much love.